Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm really excited about this series. I want to get started by asking you guys a question. Think back maybe the last six months to a year. How many of you in the last year, you went on a fun trip of some kind? You went on a trip. You did something, yeah? Okay, that's good. Now, this question, how many of you went on, like, a legit vacation sometime in the last year? Now, maybe you're confused as what's the difference. So here's the difference. If your kid was with you, that was a trip. Okay. So we love all the kids, okay? Nothing but love for y'all. But there's a difference when your parents... You know, vacation is sans kids. So Becky and I, we had about 10 days in California. So much fun. So we flew into San Jose, saw some family, rented a convertible, went down Pacific Coast Highway, Big Sur, all the things, Hearst Castle. We did an epic tour of the best coffee we could find on the West Coast. We only got pulled over one time in said convertible. And he just wanted an autograph from Becky. That was it. And we... We exchanged a warning for an autograph, and it worked out nice. <laughs> we had a great time, so thank you for allowing us to spend some time together and connect. I'm excited about today, vacationing. So one of the things that we did, we stopped at the aquarium along the way, and very cool West Coast aquarium, but it made me think about our aquarium. And I got a flashback of taking my kids when they were younger to the aquarium here in Denver. And what I remember about the aquarium is, it's a pretty good aquarium for being where we are. It's not like we're right by an ocean. We're right kind of landlocked, but it's good. So I remember going in with our kids. They have all the things, you know, all the cool fish, some sharks, sea life, seahorses, octopus, and naturally a tiger. <laughs> I, don't, I never really understood that. It's like, and a tiger. Not a tiger shark. A legit tiger in the aquarium, Okay. Probably makes good financial sense, but it's cool either way. So it's a weird thing, you know, you go through that aquarium and you see that plus mermaids. That's also <laughs> unique. But if you think about the tiger in the aquarium, and you think about another apex predator, a great white shark, if you take that tiger, which is top-level predator, right, apex predator, but if you put him in a different environment, if you put him out in the middle of the ocean, and you take that apex predator, the great white shark, and you put him in the jungle, we got problems. Shark is like, can't move. Turns into sushi for another tiger in said jungle. If you take them out of their environment, it doesn't work. They were created for a very specific environment, a very specific way to live and exist. And we are very much like that. We were created to live in a certain environment. We were created for a certain habitat. And that habitat, that natural habitat, is the will and the purpose of God. And if we get outside of that, or if we try to live our life outside of the way that God has intended us to live it, we turn into that tiger in the middle of the ocean. We're out of place. It's going to kill us. We're going to miss the mark. We're going to miss the point. So today and over the next four weeks, I want us to begin to explore what has God called us to do, what on earth are we here for first? It's good. 
It is good, always good, no matter how long you have followed Jesus, to always get back to basics. Always remind yourself of these very core theological principles. Ask the questions like, why am I here? And what am I doing? And who am I doing it for? And to make sure your heart's right. To make sure your motives are right. So I am very excited to be all up in this series. And so if we're going to start this right, we've got to literally start in the right spot. So take your communication card, write this down somewhere on it. We have to start in the right spot. And I want to read this scripture, Colossians 1.16. Everything got started in him. Now, can everyone say that word, everything, on the count of three? One, two, three, everything. Everything got started in him. Him, of course, being God. Colossians is in the Bible, New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, new to God things, Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So work it backwards. In God is where we find our purpose for living. In him, all things were created. Perhaps God has created me. Maybe I am in this everything. So we have to start in the right spot. Now, if you've been here for a month, two months, you know that we are planning to build a permanent home right here for Go Church. We have a church. It's wonderful, beautiful. All you handsome people, we have a church. We're going to build a permanent home. So we've been raising money for that, and we did that through our Building Stories campaign. But I want to bring your attention to something. So if you're here, grab your phone online. If you want to open up another tab, grab your phone. Go to our website. I want to point you to a page. Go to letsgo.church. I love the name of our website. Let's go, dot church. We were saying let's go before it was cool. We were doing this like eight or nine years ago. We were saying let's go. Now you got let's go podcast. You got Tom Brady. We're going to have to sue him. <laughs> so go there and then navigate over to building stories. So let's go, dot church. Navigate over to building stories and then just take a minute to scroll. So just open up your browser if you have an iPhone. If you have an Android, just dial into the Internet. Take a little slower. <laughs> the people who just got that are the Android phone users. It's, it's a little slower. It's okay. Just takes a minute. I want you to just scroll through there. Some of the images, some of the designs, some of the quotes. You see opportunities to give. Now, those of you who are here who have made a pledge, you know, we had a short-term goal of raising $300,000 in cash and $1.5 million of new giving over two years. I have good news for you. We have gone over our short-term goal. So we are over $300,000. So you guys have done a tremendous job. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to look through this, and if you have made a commitment, made a pledge, but haven't given yet, activate that. Do it. If you haven't made a commitment or a pledge, I'm challenging you to do it and to do this. Say no to zero. Just say no to it. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, if I can't do $50,000, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It's not about how much you give. It's about you being integrated and involved, giving, starting a habit. And if you will start, you can grow in it. So say no to zero. Our goal is 100% participation and 100% sacrifice. 
It's 100% same sacrifice, different amounts. So get started, all right? So in this zone of getting started right, I have learned more about the building process than I ever have in my whole life in the last year. I have learned that God loves the city of Denver. It takes a while for certain things to move through certain processes of the city of Denver. But if you're watching city of Denver, I got nothing but love for you. <laughs> They're just careful. So we've gone back and forth in our plans, and it's normal. We've been going through the process of submitting plans, conceptual plans. Now we're into legitimate, serious planning where we're going back and forth. They'll make little comments. We'll make adjustments. We'll send it back. And so our most recent revision, which was put in about three weeks ago, just got to notice that it's been pushed down another 10 weeks, which is two and a half months. Help me, Jesus. So we're working through this process. I've learned some things. If we're going to build this permanent home, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to just take raw dirt and go put new chairs right on that dirt, first step. Step number one, put the chairs right out there. It's out of order, right? It would not work. We're going to start with property lines. We're going to start with soil studies. We're going to start with drainage. We're going to start with all the civic stuff. We're going to start with where are the utilities. We're going to start with taking ground out, putting ground back, compacting things, and then we're going to start with foundation. Now, let me tell you, if we started our building and that first foundational pour was off six feet, we would be in the sidewalk and onto the street. Do you know how hard it would be to build a building and then move it? Impossible. We'd have big problems. You have to start in the right spot. We don't start with chairs in the dirt. We start with studying the dirt. And we get that first foundational piece in at the exact right spot. And we start building from there. Students in the house, maybe you've never built a building, but maybe you've built Legos. Okay? How many of you at one point in your life, you like the Legos? Can I see a hand? Some of you adults are like, I still kind of like doing it. It's... It's okay. I love you. Legos. You never start at step 15, right? You always start at step number one. Am I right, students? Now, sometimes you get to step 15. It's like, I think I missed something back on step seven. Then you go back. But you've got to do it in the right order. It's the same way in our spiritual life. To start right in your life, to get your purpose right, to get the will of God right for your life, you have to start with the Creator. So just write this down somewhere on your communication card. It all begins with God. It doesn't begin with you. It's already begun with God. This is simple, but it's not simplistic. And it gets messed up all the time. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people struggle with the idea of what am I supposed to do and plans for my life and purpose and how do we get that figured out? Now, to understand our calling, to understand our purpose, we have to start with God because God created you. Which one of you created yourself? God is the creator. You can't tell you what your purpose is. The creator of the thing knows the purpose of the thing. You can't tell you, I can't tell me what my purpose is. It's only revealed. It's not something I control. It's revealed. 
God will reveal it a step at a time, right when you need it. He will bring clarity for the next step. He'll help you move into that. But so many times we will buck up against it or not even ask or not even think about it. We could be off course by accident just because we've never really considered that God might care about the direction of my life. I thought it was just sin thing, relationship thing. God cares about your career. God cares about where you spend your time. God cares about what you do every year of your life. And God cares about you. So your purpose and your calling, it begins with God. So I want us to think about the nature of God. Fundamentally, God's DNA, the spiritual DNA of our Father, God, is love. God isn't loving. He is. Old school math. I feel like we're doing like weird math. We've had order of operations today. You've got to start in the right spot. Now we're going equal. God is love. Love is God. It's not something that he does. It's his essence. He is love. So it's this idea of control. Will I trust? Is this real? Does this God really like me? Does this God really love me? Maybe you've never thought about your career in spiritual terms. God cares about your career because I bet your career has something to do with another human being. It affects another human being in some way. And God cares about every single one of us. God cares about how you spend your time. So what are we going to do with this? God is love. Here's our one big thing. Write it down. Here's something I want you to remember today on your communication card. One big thing. I was created to be loved. Maybe you have never thought about that. I was created, first and foremost, to be loved. Check out Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. This is in the Bible, New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul. Even before he made the world, think about how, oh, however long you think the world has existed. Maybe you're like a millions and millions person. Maybe you're like a billions and billions person that's been around before the creation of the world, before the rock. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Maybe you're thinking like, man, that is a lot of pressure. Like no fault? Can't ever mess up? What is up with this? But look at verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. This is how we can be without fault through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God has great pleasure in the making of you. Your first purpose isn't to obey God, serve God, love other people, or even love God. Your first step as a person, as a believer, is to allow God to love you. To accept his love. I mean, it is awkward for somebody to come in for a hug, right? And the other person just like, uh-uh. 
we have to accept the love of God in our life. And for some of us, that's hard. Some of us feel like, well, maybe I don't have my stuff together enough. You know, I'm not mature enough. I mess things up. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not there for that. You have to let God love you. Why? Because it's about relationship and not rule-keeping. We all come from different backgrounds, and maybe you came from a religious background where it was a lot about rules. You know, if you go to church, you got to go these times or every time. you got to wear the thing. you got to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, do all the motions, do all the stuff to be good enough, to be right, like to be in check. Rules without relationship creates rebellion. Jesus didn't create you for you to live by a bunch of rules. He created you to love you, to know you. This is the beauty and the heart of God. You are his son. You are his daughter. Look at verse 5 again. God decided in advance to adopt us, adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God first isn't your boss. He is not your CEO first. First, he's your father. Does this mean somehow we have this super casual relationship without much respect? No, the opposite. We have a relationship of the utmost respect. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is still majestic. Yes, God still stands over time. Yes, God is everywhere all at the same time. Totally sovereign. And he's our father. One of the greatest lies that Satan will ever throw up in your face from the very pits of hell is this. You have to earn your way. Just be good enough. Just follow the rules. Just do the things, because then what? It's not up to God, it's up to you. That is a total lie. The Bible describes the devil as the father of lies. Did you know that God has loved you for a million years? He's known your name for a billion years. Before the earth was created, I believe he knew your name. He has a plan for you, a purpose for you. It's not about how good you are, and if you are worthy of God's love. It's not about how good you are. It's about how great he is. And go, church, we serve a great God. Do you believe that? Can we make some noise? Can we say, let's go? Can we say, thank you, God? Can we feel appreciation and thankfulness and gratitude well up in us? It's not up to us. He already loves you. Sorry. You can't do anything about it. God loves you whether you believe in him or not. I started a tradition a long time ago with my boys, Ethan and Levi. They just turned 17 on Friday. So, boys, if you're watching, can we give them a little love? They're at camp right now. They are serving at Eagle Lake Camp, which is a Christian camp our kiddos go to. They're there for five weeks doing all the recreational stuff, and from when they were very, very young, my twin boys, I would have a routine, 
mess with them, play with them, really just try to wear them out. Energy, just try to deplete. And then it was bedtime. And we get in the cribs and the bed, and I'd talk to them for a minute, and I'd always say this before I'd close the door and leave. I'm your father, you're my son, and I love you. So I'd say that to them all the time, like growing up, when they're getting into elementary and now even into high school. Becky, while we were on our trip in California, we wrote a couple of postcards to them. And on the postcard, I'm your father, you're my son, and I love you. The reason that I like to say that to my boys is because I always want them to know, I don't love you because you're smart. I don't love you because you can produce. I don't love you because you're good at sports. I don't love you because you're handsome. I don't love you for the things that you do. If you can do the dishwasher perfect or help clean the kitchen or help take care of the house or help take care of your sister, I love you because of who you are. You are my son. That's why I love you. You can't make me not love you. Of course, my heart feels with, fills with pride and joy when I see them making godly decisions, but it doesn't make me love them anymore or any less. God will never love you more than he does right now. He's already in love with you. He's already like, let's hug this out. What are we going to do in response to that? We are sons and daughters. We're not employees. I was created to be loved. Do you really believe that? Like, do you really believe God loves you? Even when things are hard or it doesn't work out or there's an emergency or things are going great. Do you really believe no matter where you are doing whatever you're doing that God would say, I'm your father, you're my child, and I love you always? You're never too far away from the love of God. If we really believe that, what would change? I want to give you two things that I think would change in my life and I think be applicable to all of our lives. And this is the first one. Write this down. Things that would change if we really believed that God loves us. The first one is this. I'd pray big and bold prayers. Big and bold I try to be bold in my prayers. I will literally ask God to help me pray bigger, help me to think bigger, help me to believe God-sized things, not just be limited by my fear or my capacities or what I can do, but to say, God, help me to be in the faith zone, not in the safe zone. Help me to pray big. Pray big because why? You've got a big father. You've got a big father and a child, if a child needs something from their parent, how weird would it be when the boys were young, two, three years old, to come up to me and say, hallowed father, kneel and bow, I beseech thee on behalf of my hunger, can you make a snack? They just wouldn't run, jump in the air, believe I would catch them and be like, snack, snack, I got you. It's like a goldfish BB gun. Eat these. Why do we treat God like that? 
why do we feel like we're having a business meeting? We get our legal pad out. <laughs> last meeting, last week, da -da -da, here's the time, and attendance, me, and attendance, I thank God. Why can't we just ever go to God and say, God, I am so upset about this. I just, I wanted to slap them right in the face when they said that. I'll just, mm, I'm having such a hard time. Will you help me get perspective? Will you just help them, help me, go to them? When's the last time we just went to God and we're like, I wish I could feel you give me a high five right now. What happened with my kid in school was awesome. Thank you for that. Like, why do we feel like we got to be reserved or nice and tidy? How are your children with you is how we should be with our father. Isn't that what Jesus said, that we need to come to him like children? Becky and I were walking yesterday in the neighborhood, and there was this kid that was walking along the fence, and he was like, mm. he goes, like that. He's, he's just walking. <laughs> I'm like, man, we lose that. It's just like he can have fun walking down the sidewalk. Just mm, his friends are down there, down there talking about scooters. And it's like we lose some of that awe, that majesty, that childlike you know, running to my father feeling, and God wants us to have that, to never lose that, to never be numb to his love, to never to be like, eh, whatever. I pray big and bold prayers, Romans 8, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God, allowing themselves. God will never force you to do anything. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit, there's that word again, of adoption as sons and daughters, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. We're not slaves. We're not employees. We're sons and we're daughters. Abba is an Aramaic word for dad. So, yes, there is this dad feeling, but it's a combination of a godly fear and respect and awe and fatherhood all rolled into one. He cares about you. He hears you. Hebrews 4.16 says this, so let us come boldly. On the count of three, let's say that word boldly. One, two, three. Boldly. boldly. To the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. God is your father. You can ask boldly. Crank up the passion. Crank up the volume. You don't have to say it perfect. You don't have to use all the right little vocabulary. These and thous and all of a sudden you're speaking King James. The old school Jesus movies, Jesus had like a British accent. That's not historically right at all. Be you. Be real. Ask him. He cares. The second thing, write this down. I'd have peace during pain. You might even write, I'd have more peace during pain. Now, I want to tell you some things that would be very easy to misinterpret. I want you to work hard to try to hear the heart from which I'm trying to communicate. There are some wonderful and superlative things that are going to happen to you because Jesus is in your life and because you're following God. There will be those times. 
this out of this world, it's just amazing times. But as followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from the ramifications of living in a broken, chaotic world that has been smashed and broken by sin, going all the way back to the very first humans. We have traditionally not been good at making decisions that please God. Original sin all the way down to us, and we all know that we've all made mistakes, man. We all know that at some point in our life, we've blown it, we've said a lie, we've done a thing, we've done something. It's not a newsflash. We know this. But I want to challenge you in your worldview. As a follower of Jesus, you will still experience pain in this life. Following Jesus doesn't make you exempt from hard things that happen. You will still experience pain. You will still experience hurt. You can still experience the echoes and the ripples that happen through this broken, chaotic system. We're not immune to that, but we never lose hope. But we're not exempt from that. We will feel pain. The question is, what will pain do to you? Will it push you towards God, or will it push you away from God? It's one or the other. You're not neutral. When you hit a tough spot, when something happens, when there's tragedy, does that drive you to God and say, God, please help me? God, please help me understand. God, please help me change. God, please intervene. God, please get this. I don't understand. I need you. Or do you start getting quiet? And you start just kind of withdrawing. I'll just work harder. I'll figure it out. I'm strong. I don't need to show emotion. It's not getting to me. We kind of stuff it down because we're tough. If God really does love you, if you truly believe that God loves you all of the time, then you know his character and his presence does not change in your life, even though your circumstances do. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. For some of you, that feels impossible. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Convert your pain into prayer. Convert your worry into worship. We're not in heaven yet. There will come a time where things will be whole. No more tears. No more pain. No more broken hearts. We're not there yet. But God is here with us. His companionship will always be with us. And even in the middle of pain, you can experience peace. You won't always have the answers to why. When Becky and I had our first child, Sydney, Sydney is 19 years old, beautiful, funny. When we had Sydney 19 years ago in August, we found out after she was born that she was born different, that she has a very rare genetic abnormality. It's so rare that there's not a name for it. There's only about 100 people in the entire world of billions and billions of people that have this specific genetic abnormality. It's a deletion, 2Q37 deletion syndrome for the medical folks in the house. Presents itself in 
unpredictable ways. So there's no guideline or here's what to expect for the timeline. So early on, and even, even still, I'll ask the why questions. Why? Why her? Why us? Why now? Why? I, I don't have all the answers for that. Sometimes we won't get the answers, and let me be clear, God does not owe me an explanation. He doesn't. He doesn't owe you an explanation. Read the book of Job. The end of it, God doesn't apologize. He's still God. But here's the thing. If you truly believe that God loves you, and if you truly believe that God is good... then you can move past why. See, I might not understand it, but I know my God is good. I have a dear friend named Joyce Schroeder. She's older in years. She, years ago, 30 years ago or so, was hit by a car, paralyzed. They were active in ministry, missionaries, and she so, of course, continued ministry, super sharp, powerfully moving in the spirit of God, sharp mind. And she told me one time, and I was talking about Sydney with her at a conference, because bad things happen to her. They were super physical, adventurous, and now she's in a wheelchair. She said, sometimes, Nick, you just have to simplify it and remind yourself that life is life. And God is God. And God is always good. He's got you. About a year ago, we had a surgery scheduled for Sydney in her right ear. They were going to go in and, you know, put tubes in. I think tubes barely classifies as a surgery, but she's going to go under and they're going to enlarge her ear canal. So it was going to take a little less than an hour. They're going to go in there and do this stuff, clean it out, enlarge the canal, put some tubes in, take about an hour. And so Becky and I are at the hospital and we're waiting and it goes past time. And if any of you have been in a situation where you've got a loved one, under anesthesia, and something's happening, and it goes past time, and you haven't heard anything, what do you do? Yeah, don't be anxious about anything, right? Hard. You get worried. You're like, well, is everything all right? And then the doctor comes out, and doctor's not smiling. And you know that's not good. If doctor doesn't have a, a little uplift here or something, you're like, um, okay, where are we? What's gonna happen? And just a little helpful hint for every doctor watching online or here today. The first thing you say, if it's good, if it's not, just walk out and say, it's great. And then details. Not details, then, and it's great. Just go, it's great. It's good. And so her face is kind of down, and she goes, look, we were in there. We found a tumor. I can't remember the technical name for it, but it was a flesh-eating, structure-eating disease. Tumor thing in her ear behind. It had eaten all of the structure of her ear all the mechanism, they get it all degenerated and been like dissolved. And she said, we don't know how big it is, but we've got to find it and we've got to clean it all out. It could get to her brain. It could already be eating through some of that. We don't know. And so that was one hour, then two, then three, then four, then five. Then we get a call. We're still working on it. Then six, then seven, let me tell you, over those nine hours, I had all the normal dad 
emotions kick in. Man, I want to like go fix it. I want to help. I want to punch that tumor in the face. <laughs> you know, I want to do all the things. I, I want my little girl to be okay, and I want to fix it, but I can't. And it was a weird thing. So we've been through, you know, Sydney's had 27 surgeries. It's not like our first time at the hospital. But we're there, and I'm like, feeling these feelings. We text a couple of people in Go Church, say, hey, be praying for Boo. Bill Carson comes up, prays with us. And during those hours, I did feel some fear. But you know, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward in the middle of fear, feeling it and continuing to move forward to do what you know you need to do. That's courage. And so we waited, and the doctor came, and this time she was a little smile, which was good. And she goes, we, we, got, we think we got it all. It did not get past the skull. It did not get into her brain. But she did lose all the hearing in her right ear. And, you know, why? Which, just why? Like, like, life's not hard enough. Sure, let's lose hearing too. We can go down the road of why. We all do. We all ask those questions. But the fundamental question really isn't, that's not really what we need an answer to. We don't need the answer to why. What we need is peace. And a knowing that somehow God's got it and it's going to work out right in the end. And I'm thankful that they found it when they did. I'm thankful that she still has hearing in her left ear. I'm thankful that she's the same boo now that she was when she went in. I'm thankful for that. Romans 5.8, how do we know that God loves us? We're talking about letting God love you. How do we know? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were good. Not while we were killing it. While we were messed up, sinners, far away, messy, Jesus died for us then. He loved you then, and he loves you now. And the question, I guess, to you today is, it, this is even to some Christians. This is kind of turned around backwards. We always talk about you serving God and you, you doing these things. Have you ever just lowered your guard enough to say, God, I don't have it all figured out. And I want your love to come into me. I don't want to do the rules. I don't want to do the regulations. I want to do the relationship. I want it to be personal. Will you let God love you? He wants to. He sent his one and only son so that you could. Will you let him? For those who will allow the spirit to do something in your life, you'll experience purpose in Christ. Let's pray. Father, Abba, God, Dad, Heavenly Father, I ask today that you would just help every single friend here, every single one of your kids, to know that you are so radically, immeasurably in love with them, that you gave everything you had to provide a way for us to know you. That our first step 
we're called. We're called to be loved by you. Help us to respond to that calling. I've got kind of a unique thing that I'm feeling, and we don't really do stuff like this a lot. But I want to talk to all the Christians. God's doing something in your heart today. You, you love Jesus the best that you know, but God is reminding you of some, some deep things, some love-laced truths, reminding you that it's not just about the things you do for Him. It's about how much He loves you in His essence and you allowing a new depth of that to become a reality in your life. I need you to respond. God wants you to respond to that, to acknowledge it, to meet His hug with a hug, to meet His embrace with an embrace. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, man, you're a Christian, you love God, but you feel like God is trying to remind you of this today, to push this down into your heart again today. Can I see a hand in the air and say, that is me today? Yeah, man, it's all over the room. It's all over the room. It's not up to you. It's up to Him. And He's already decided to love you. We're going to pray for that. If you're here today, hear my voice. The most important thing that you can walk out of here with today is a relationship with Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that He gave His only son and he came to this earth and he lived a sinless life one that we could never live and then he laid that sinless life down on the cross his blood flowed to cover our sins and to heal our lives for eternity they peeled his body off of that tree and they put him into a tomb one day two days but on the third god raised him back to life and he's alive he's knocking on the door of your heart today will you let me in Will you respond to my love? If you're here today and you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, I want you to say this prayer out loud right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.